Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, and mine are he and him. And I'm Alistair, and my pronouns are also he and him. Shall we just fucking dive into it? Yeah, let's go for it. No uh, warm-up, we just fuck it, we're doing it live. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, no, 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 no preamble. Yeah. As much as you're attempting to insert a preamble by getting me to talk about the lack of preamble, yes. Uh, so, Damn, Rob, what's up again. first? What are we talking about? Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's it's missing not the Taiwan Strait, presumably. <laughs> no, I don't mean... Um... <laughs> oh, are we talking about the uh, those fucking new models of Zelensky that they've made? No, I don't mean Nancy oh. Pelosi. I mean uh, a husband who's up in court for a DUI tomorrow. <laughs> Which someone like a pine to me on Twitter is the reason why she's risking World War Three in Taiwan. No, just to, to affect the search engine optimization, so yeah. you type in Pelosi. <laughs> God, that's definitely up there as one of the stupider reasons the world could end. Fantastic. Uh, for for non-enjoyers of mouth sounds, uh, Jamie will be at this the entire fucking podcast, and I can't stop him. <laughs> so, yeah, Jamie decided to like eat a bowl of ch- uh, crisps and peanuts at the start of this, and uh, we had a good five minutes of Jamie high detailed ASMR, and we will mm. be releasing it as a, for a one-time fee on our Patreon. We will not. We will not. That's false advertising. Uh, right, okay, let's let's fucking talk about some dickheads, because that's what we always do in this fucking podcast. Rob, who's up first? Yes, let's talk about a series of dickheads. Uh, two updates on existing dickheads, and one sort of new-ish one, which is the, um, and finally, maybe at long last with some fucking consequence, uh, that Unite the Union is now talking about dropping all funding to the Labour Party at the next conference. Um, I mean, it's talked so far, and we've seen this shit like a million times, but it's not new. But this now is in response to the latest round of Labour trying to be the responsible party of government by supporting workers, but not strikes, because that's bad. Um, but yeah, oh, apparently... No, it's, it's, it's put- <laughs> Rob, going, going down to picket lines to support striking, striking workers is performative. Yeah, oh yes. yeah, sorry, that's true, that's true, because the MP is not the person on strike. So if you show up, but you're not in the union striking... You're just being performative. You're just being woke instead of being, you know, showing solidarity. So there's an extinct, important distinction there to be made. The The general thesis behind this seems to be that um, Labour is a responsible government in waiting and responsible governments don't strike. I think that's what it is. But then it's also uh-huh. not what it is because it really depends on... Who's visiting the picket lines? Wow. Say if you're uh, it's a, it's a, a truly a truly radical policy proposal there by ensure by promising to ensure that no strikes will ever occur by uh, allowing workers to just get paid what they want. It's a radical new policy. It's a it's a departure. We didn't see it coming from from Kiyostama, but you know one we... weird trick to avoid <laughs> strikes. <laughs> Union leaders hate him. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and apparently uh, some other uh, Labour MP was, um, oh, the, sorry, the deputy leader of Welsh Labour um, said that, that the relationship between the party and the unions was fine, actually, and then told GB News that Starbo was far <laughs> more pragmatic than Corbyn. So all the, th- you know, the three racists left that watched well, GB I mean, News on any given again, fucking day. Again, 
I'm asking any of these pricks to define their terms. What does pragmatic mean? What, uh, pragmatic in what manner? How, to achieve what aim? You fucking clown. They want economic growth, Alistair. They want economic growth, and the way to achieve that is to be pragmatic and buy more things that are made in Britain. Going on, uh, going on Fash TV to tell them you're pragmatic is the real pragmatism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The, the the key Darren Grimes demographic needs to be pulled on board or they'll never get the get through in the next election. She added, Starmer realizes that we have to work with unions, but we've also got to appeal to the public to get elected at the next general election. Not the <laughs> yeah, United States. Because mu- unions are mutually exclusive with the public. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, they are. They are fundamentally different tribes. You see, unions on the whole tend to live their lives underground, underground, and they are quite stunted creatures. But they do get um, infravision, which is quite good. But then the general public sort of lives above ground, so they have a bit more ticks to their diplomacy. And you can't, you can't be with both. You have to choose between the right. All right, fucking J Rob, Rob Tolkien, fuck's sake. Yeah, I'm, I'm claiming copyright strike on this bit, thank you very much. I'm the one who does really torture D&D metaphors. As oh, I was narratives. talking about uh, Morlocks, but, you know, it's it's fine. Um, uh, I've been watching... I thought you were talking about moles. <laughs> Mole people. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it also I really hate, depends... I hate when I'm walking across a field and I fall into a fucking union den. It's just the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, apparently it also really depends who visits a picket line, whether or not it's acceptable. So if you're Sam Terry and you go to a picket line and you give an interview where you say workers should be paid, that is bad and you're making up policy on the hoof and that gets you sacked from the cabinet for reasons. But if you're, say, Lisa Nandy and you turn up just for the photo but don't say anything, then it's fine. It's good, actually. Well, I was... um looking for fodder for comment or commentary, I came across an article by uh, noted Tory, John McTernan, who explained, actually, that what that was was a meeting with some constituents. (laughs) That's why that was okay. Mutually exclusive (laughs) with being in a union. Oh. And also, also, um, like, I saw this, like, just before we started recording. Apparently, Starmer's on holiday. Or something, and is going to punish um, how, how would Lisa anyone Nandy notice? when he returns. So you just wait till your dad gets home, young lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, I mean, to be fair, it depends on where you dig the union burrow, right? If it's in the middle of a field, like when you visit and don't comment, then that's fine. Whereas if you dig it underneath Labour HQ, then that's undermining the Labour movement. And clearly, if you observe that's how the union, works. you collapse its quantum waveform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> But what happens, James, what happens if the union burrows in my constituency? Am I allowed to well, visit? Well, it depends. How did you vote in the Labour leadership election? I don't remember. I think uh, I voted Luke Akehurst, I think. Ah, then you're fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, just, just making sure that we... Uh, dot the I's and, and all and cross the T's and all that stuff for... for and, like, I, I can't step over the fact that i just distinctly remember that apart from the fact that um you know he knows how to draft a memo you remember when this team got into office and it was all this stuff with um yeah he's a really professional sharp communicator and he's a qc and he knows what he's doing and you know time for a serious opposition or whatever that fucking dunt quote was you know it's like no it's just this it's just this fucking 
pile of mush because they're so fucking scared of their own shadow that uh, uh, from from polling that I've just seen, that was apparently due to Owen Jones making fun of Waitrose. Like, Labour has <laughs> once again fallen below the Tories in, like, the most recent polling by five points. And that's because actually, of Owen Jones. I actually, lay this, uh, I actually lay this squarely at the feet of uh, Tom Wyman's extremely good article of I hate Keir Starmer and let me count the ways, which I advise every <laughs> listener to go and read if you haven't already. Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, I'm not promising, but if we remember to, we'll put it in the show notes because it's a fucking banger and you should read it. We probably won't, but you should look for it. <laughs> what I do love about it, though, is Keir Starmer has basically gone, ah, oh, shit, what do we do about this? It's someone we actually want to keep in the cabinet is doing this shit now. How about we fob it off and in two weeks' time everyone will have forgotten about it and no one but the left-wing screechers will care? Um, and that's the gamble. That's the entirety of the gamble. I do not believe that man is actually meaningfully on holiday. Or at least he wasn't on holiday until they realised, oh, we need a reason to kick the can. I don't know. I saw so, a photo of him on the beach in a suit the other day, so he might be on holiday. <laughs> was, that, was he I beside two uh, two very yeah, confused I see young that, women? <laughs> that picture's posted every fucking day. Uh, it's a shame they have to take the picture every day, David. <laughs> I really hope that this does work for him, though, because if it does, then he may just fuck off on holiday forever because he's finally found something that kind of works for him. Internal holiday of a spotless Kia. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think on that cheery note, let's let's move on to our uh, our next tale. And these are essentially the next two nuggets are like brief updates of stuff we talked about in previous pods. So you know, you've got to become a regular listener, and that way, are they you're both? Cool, are they know? both? It's still fucked. Whatever it was. Uh, basically, uh, I wanted to give first a brief gamer update. Uh, we talked about Diablo <laughs> Immortal and it's delicious. The gamers, uh, delicious. they're good now, I assume. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, and they are also rising up, uh, especially when they've spent over 100,000 US dollars on their stupid fucking video game. Um, so we talked about Diablo Immortal in episode 145, and it's incredibly mm. shit and superfluous loot box design, where, uh, if you remember, you literally couldn't get to max super level unless you paid out like 50,000 or 100,000 US dollar on average to get there. Um, so one insane streamer or a guy with a business model, so that's why I'm not naming them, um, has gone and done it, and they've spent more than 100,000 US dollars uh, to purchase enough lottery tickets or crystals or whatever the fuck it was to get his uh, his one character to totally max level, totally max everything. So, you know, good on oh, you so for that, spending so this more is, than... This is just, like, some some guy has done this on purpose as, like, a business thing. It's not like I it's have a, a crippling gambling addiction thing, yeah. and unfortunately yeah, yeah. it's Diablo. Right. Okay. No, yeah. that's fine. I just wanted to know whether or not it's good to laugh at this. He is he has won so hard that no one can challenge him. He is he has bought his way to godhood and what what lies before him, nothing but a wasteland. Yes, exactly. Uh, because his in-game ranking is now so high above literally everybody else in the entire game that the game refuses to rank him or like place him in the same sphere with anybody else because he's literally too powerful. Effectively yeah, he's, stranding he's like, yeah, his, like, the guy with the toppers and too... the top ranks all alone in a multiplayer game because he can't queue into anything and he can't play with other people. And this has been <laughs> and, going uh, on for two months. <laughs> and De Demon Hunter 420 wet for the no lands left to conquer <laughs> you know what it is in terms of in terms of nerds with like apparently super high paying jobs gamers are so much worse than furries because like when furries, <laughs> yeah, no, when furries earn like six figures a year 
they kick that down to the community to like artists and shit and fursuit makers yep. whereas gamers it just all goes into the pocket of fucking activision or some cunt yeah, yeah. no unironically un- un- so people will know that i follow art twitter as a break from politics and like there are serious heavy duty artists who are basically subsidized by the furry community it's not even it's, it's not even funny at this point they've all got their alts where they secretly do art for commission for furries and it just like yeah it's straight up it's like it's doing government spending where it you know basically furries tax themselves and allocate it to the arts and i for one stand this <laughs> um, said this guy because I watched I shamefully watched a 10 minute video of this guy this is also why I'm not giving the name because it's fucking terrible gamer YouTube mm. is really fucking shite but, that uh, sucks um, he said literally I am the only player in the entire world with this problem which you know should have clued you in that you're a fucking moron <laughs> I mean think of how many Pepe NFTs you could have bought with that money <laughs> this is true. I mean, there's an element of that, but like you know, credit with a guy where credit's due. He's kind of my understanding is he's also doing this to kind of draw attention to just how fucked it is, and it's part of a spectacle of the whole thing. And God, I wish we all had a hundred grand to spend on making a I know, fucking point. You know what I mean? But it's uh, it's, it's like his business is actually going quite well, so this is a business expense. For him. Yeah, but at the but, same time, oh, tax deductible, right? Okay, um, yeah, exactly right. You, you get yeah, it. Um, mm. and like you know. It is. We come back to the central point, which is that it's a fucked state of affairs that shouldn't exist. And I honestly begin. I think we need new language to talk about these kind of games. They're not like games so much as they're, you know, gambles. It's not gaming so much as gambling. Like it's, it's, it's basically gambling. I really hate There's the way really... you're saying that word. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, we need a better term. It just sounds need... like fucking gay gambling. That's what it sounds like you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hmm. We need like, more queer-friendly gambling spaces. <laughs> uh, I mean, give, give it, like, I don't know, a year, Alistair, and I reckon the decline of the British economy will have uh, kicked that into overdrive, frankly. But mm. no, like, we, we, we need a new uh, line to talk about. to become drag brokes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, excellent. Oh, dear. But Coral to become th- floral, etc. <laughs> Are flowers inherently gay? I don't know. I don't know. I'm Daddy just like all of the all of the. Fun. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the hilarity doesn't stop just with this one guy. By the way, because there's some. I won't really won't bore you with the details. Um, but like because he's the central guy with the problem, and he's also the leader of his entire clan. Um, and apparently you need the leader to like enter certain battlegrounds and stuff and because he's too strong and maxed out all of his other friends also can't enter and they've all paid according to him at least between 1000 and 10000 US dollar to get fancy hats to be the best at the game as well oh so not only is he fucked game design like 20 other- is my passion <laughs> yeah. like, I mean so him spending a hundred thousand dollars or whatever himself was bad enough, but the fact he's got a whole gaggle of freaks that like have also spent more than a thousand dollars each on a fucking video game, like yes, oh man, the modern economy is really wonderful, isn't it? I really love it when it's grounded in material concerns. At the same time, what they've done here is they've actually stopped a YouTuber playing a game, so it's impossible to say if it's bad. Yeah, or who's not. to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's the apotheosis of winning the game. They finally done I mean, it. They cracked it. Now you can just not log <laughs> off and never play a video game ever again. Uh, I mean, Fine. on the other hand, though, like, 
the 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 microtransaction blizzard bullshit does seem to be working for this shit game uh Eurogamer is is estimating currently that they're raking in about one million us dollar a day on fucking loot crates and and boxes Sounds oh and right. by the way um last week it was in one of the papers i think the guardian that um loot boxes and microtransactions are going to be specifically left out of the gambling white the gambling regulation white paper in the uk so that's just going to continue without end because it's just video games and you know how much can people lose yeah well $10? it's like loot boxes just close and your stuff eyes. are being left out now <laughs> and then later on it'll be slot machines and like bets that get left out as well yeah it's uh i mean in, in all honesty again we need a new language to talk about this because these are not games. No, they're just no. Not. They're slot machines. Yeah, they're they're no, slightly mean, more I mean, interactive slot machines. Yeah, I mean, I oh, mean even then, even then, Rob, like the, the language already exists, but because of the level of obfuscation that, uh, like, the games industry and like, you know, literally hand in hand, essentially with the the actual gambling lobby, uh, they yeah. just obfuscate all of it behind, um, you know, t- uh, you know, pay to win and loot crates and all that shit when it's just the exact same fucking mechanism as we've sort of already been over and the the game itself as in as much as it is a game is fucking bare bones as where it's like is it uh, yeah like it isn't it isn't a fucking game it is a game in the sense that a fucking uh game of uh, roulette is a game you know yeah so a game then yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've gone full circle it, Much it, like except, a game of roulette. <clears throat> yeah. Except it's not. Like, we, you know, we, we refer to it in passing as a game of roulette, but eventually it reached a certain point in a cultural consensus where we went, it's not a game, it's gambling. And that, it, like, they're fighting tooth and nail to prevent that happening. So I honestly think, like, the reason we need new language is to get around that obfuscation. But, you know, easier said than done, I suppose. It's a puggy. That's all it is. It's just a fucking puggy, yeah. except you require a graphics card to run the bastard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, well, so- yeah, uh, moving swiftly on to another update. Uh, we haven't talked about. Do you think you could do like um, you know, you know when they used to like play by mail RPGs back in the fucking day? Yeah, no, no granddad. Inter- before the internet, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here for it, Jamie, but only because I'm a huge nerd. Carry on, granddad. Do you think you could do like those, but with like you know what I mean, like loot boxes in those where the players have to send you like a fucking winning scratch card from the lottery to get a certain sword or whatever? <laughs> I think Blizzard already has those. I'm fairly sure they do. Can they used to have them for cosmetics. Some of them go for like tens of thousands of dollars on eBay. I mean, that's. That, I mean, let, let's be real about this. This has kind of already been done. It's just been done in electronic form, which is more convenient than using the mail. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's why I took it backwards to using the mail for like for comedy purposes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. all, all right, Granddad. We we all when we said we're excited about posting, we didn't mean like that. Uh, well, get on my <laughs> level. Jamie, Jamie and was also, and also off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> what evidence? There were no weapons in that cave. The libel. John was once a paradise. Your breed made a desert of it ages ago. Another callback I wanted to do is all the way back to episode 103 and where we talked about the UK gas industry, which we haven't done for a while to keep Jamie sane. Uh, But I wanted to talk uh, this time about um, bulb energy. Uh, Remember when that was taken off by the government because literally nobody could afford to buy it at a time when the customer liabilities and the gas prices were way too high. Obviously, we're not in a cycle anymore where gas prices are super high, so don't worry about it. Um, so I have some really good news for everybody. Um, 
bulb is back on the market so the private sector can perform its efficient magic buy it up clean it up and then presumably the your gas bills will will be lower again um, why well because like, it has to be because the government's why, running it why, the government can't run anything but why why does anyone want to buy it why not just shunt the fucking customers over to some other bunch of pricks uh, because it's still way too big and there's not a lot of people that actually can absorb 1.6 million uh, customers. Um, not to worry, though. In the meantime, it has already cost the government $1.7 billion to bail Bulb out in the first place, as well as his 1.6 million customers. Yeah, I bet and they're not getting the bill that has... back. Uh, no, of course not. Uh, actually, they may have to give away even more money to get rid of Bulb from their books. Um, this is this is fucking incredible. Like, if... Um... <laughs> you know this uh, the ostensible party of uh, sensible business management uh, yeah i'm gonna buy this enormous asset uh and then i'm just gonna sell it at a fucking loss because i know how business operates well it's good it for is by business, selling though. things for less than they're actually worth yeah business operates by being paid by the government yeah well I mean, yeah. government in in this particular case has not been taking very good of business because while it was being managed through I want to say Tenio or another, or or, or another um, consultancy office. Uh, so while they were being run by the government, they didn't hedge any of the energy prices. So they're just paying straight through the nose, uh, which has maybe cost like a billion uh, pounds extra because they didn't lock in prices far in advance enough because they just wanted to get rid of it. So they didn't do any of the normal company shit while it was in in ownership. Um, mm -hmm. And as by the way, it also has been uh, paying out uh, two million quid every quarter in bonuses to keep important staff members around, because they ran it so well that I clearly must assume that the people <laughs> uh, getting you, these you quarterly say bonuses, bonuses, I say bribe. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the CEO uh, hasn't uh, need to t hasn't had to take a pay, pay cut, even though his company exploded underneath him. Uh, he's still on two hundred fifty k a year, by the way. Uh, but that's I mean, it's, uh, like, it's effectively, sorry, right, this is annoying because obviously I'm affected by this because I went from Avro Energy to Bulb and I've been getting emails from Oct Octopus Energy throughout this, right? It has been being run by Octopus Energy, who've been running it kind of badly, not doing the hedging, etc. So there's a reason and incentive for them to get paid to take it properly. Um, but in all practices, it's just a legal fiction. It's been Octopus Energy I've been running my energy this entire time, right? Yeah, but so it's going to be... No, uh, technically, the company Bulb has been in administration by the government, but the clients that it had have been shifted over to other energy companies. So you're not technically with Bulb anymore. You are just in general with Octopus. But don't worry, because of the magic and the efficiency of the private market, um, there was only one single bidder for Bulb. And it turned out to be Oct Octopus Energy because everybody else uh, uh, pulled out of the bidding process. So, you know, instead of like a multi-company fight where the government would get like a good price, uh, Octopus, which, by the way, according to the Financial Times, have, has literally never turned a profit in its entire existence, uh, now has sole reign because they're the only bidder left. So either the government will need to like chop up Bob's former customer base and spread them around, um, or they need to give Octopus more incentives to take over the bankrupt company where people are still getting paid massive I bonuses. I can't wait so. until this time next year when the government's running fucking Octopus. No, like, actually, I'm with you on this, Jamie. Do you know what I reckon is going on here? I think they basically had a big chat and they're like, listen, guys, we're not long for this world. So how about you let us get in line and then when we go, one of you can pick us up and we'll just keep rolling it essentially. And that way everyone gets paid and nobody goes to jail. And that's it. That's it. 
I mean, it's 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 it, honestly, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Um, yeah. So like, uh, there's a, there was a nice quote uh, from uh, in the FT uh, from a person close to the sales process that said, uh, "This is a market that is a disaster, and this is a company that is a disaster within that market." So Bulb is a really great asset, and I'm I'm really happy that everybody's you know literally everybody's uh, chipping in for this because if you remember, there's that rule that means that um, if the remaining standing energy companies absorb a losing cost, uh, uh, company, they can turn off like the money that that costs, they can put that on your personal account. So um, the price caps on energy are going to go latest update was to 3850 in January. Uh, and 164 quid of that is going to go from each and every one of you to bulb energy to clear that up. Thank you for your contributions. Mm. Right, well, I, I, I want. I, I just want to remind everyone that the uh, the CEO in question has the right to privacy. Uncle Ted, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Offgem does have like an answer for this, uh, which is it's good to keep this stuff in mind. I can think of a few because they are they are um, oh, they are taking going care door of... to door with a bat now, are they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's well in a way uh, they are. Um, but they'll just be coming around to this, collect later. I mean, this is going to be fucking disappointing when you go, oh, no, no, they are. That's setting everyone up for fucking crushing <laughs> no, realism coming through for, here, isn't it? For, um, for people who are on, on meters or prepaid credit instead of a, a, a monthly invoice, um, because the bills are going to be so fucking high that you probably can't pay. So Offgem's answer to all this is to increase but more spread out consumer debt. So... If you already have no okay. money, don't worry. Offgem will just give you more credit to pay off on a longer term, which is good, actually. Mm. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I mean, I can see you've skipped a few steps between Offgem does thing and man turns up at door with bat. But yeah, all right, I, I can follow the The end result is, is, is exactly the same. I mean, you know, <laughs> JB, I think you've also been having a, a wonderful time with British gas as well. wrong reasons. Yeah, oh, um, wrong house. British gas, British gas, like whoever runs the IT for British gas is robbing them fucking blind because like nothing <laughs> ever works. They're absolutely yeah. fucking useless. Yeah. Um, so simultaneously, um, critical support, but also fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I condemn your speech, but I defend your right to say it. But no, they um, they like when they when they took us on, I told them I didn't want the meters to be like set as smart meters. I'd just give them readings because I didn't fucking trust them. And um, they just like turned, turned the gas meter and then like later the electric meter to fucking smart meters. Um, but like I sent them meter readings last week and then three days later they sent me an email going, it's time for meter readings. And when I went to put the fucking meter reading in for the for the lecky, they I couldn't because they were like, it's a smart meter. You don't need to give us readings. And then I was like, okay, where's the bill? And it just like fucking nothing. And then so I, I went on and I finally found that there's a thing on their website where you have to tell it how often you want the smart meter to like send in its fucking reading and that none of the options were set. So I set one, saved it and then still nothing happened. I went by the next day. It hadn't remembered what I'd saved it as. And I tried it again <laughs> a couple of times and it just doesn't work. And so I rang them and I was like, I rang them and I tried to give them a bill, let the, the reading over the automated system. And it just told me, no, you're on a smart meter. You don't need to give us a bill. You silly sausage. Do you know what I mean? And I, <laughs> So I had to fucking wait like 40 minutes to speak to some guy. And he was like, oh, have you tried the... I was like, yes. I, yes, I've tried that and I've tried that. Can you just fix it? And he couldn't fucking fix it either. So he just had to generate a bill on vibes. 
in the end, <laughs> which was which was great for everyone concerned. But uh, yeah, they're just absolutely fucking like inept, like hilariously so. I just feel this has been listeners. the personal beef section of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, but, don't be silly. We know that's the whole episode, like every yeah. episode. Yeah. Also, for the benefit of the benefit of our listeners, if you can avoid getting a, start, a smart meter, do because the real reason for smart meters is we let them do remote disconnections without having to send a guy around to do it. That's it. That's the whole point of smart meters. There you go. Also, at the risk of stating the obvious and comedy thing, but turns out smart readers aren't very smart. You know, it's that kind of comedy Ooh. that you can expect every week on Mock the Week, or not anymore. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, you good news for one octopus this week. Okay, what's up next? <laughs> How come you could do that? Anyway, um, swiftly moving I on I failed to, nothing, that's why. Uh, swiftly moving on f- from one uh, sort of baseline necessity for human life to another. Uh, so for tonight, for the main story, um, I wanted to talk about something I wanted to be wanting to talk about for a while. I wanted to talk about uh, the is water it companies. Knackered pipes. Yes, it is about knackered pipes and 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 uh, uh, millions of liters of <laughs> lead running into. I want into more of it in my water. <laughs> well, you're getting more in your water. Everybody's getting yes. more in their water. Lead is still in many amounts of pipes in British homes. If your home is built before 1970, there's a strong chance you have lead pipes, and you may indeed be poisoning yourself and your children. That's not a joke. That's actually true. But we'll get th- to that. Yeah. Well, that's what give. That's what gives everyone the blitz spirit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrible, but it is actually something that increases your citizenship level. It does. Like, what, what's, what's really funny about all of this is that it's not funny, it's literally true. You're yeah. describing Britain very, very clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what is the- funny about this is, was it, uh, which, which water company was it that was sending, like, fucking Uber drivers to look at leaks instead of a fucking, like... Uh, we will get to the Uber <laughs> drivers and the leaks. Like, that's <laughs> that's definitely part of this fucking story. Um, so the reason that sort of set me off on this um, rabbit chase is, uh, or last Sunday, there was a piece on Sky News, I'll just give you a little bit of it, as energy costs soar, be prepared to pay more for water too, or else face shortages and queues for emergency supplies in the future, an infrastructure chief has warned. So it's on you to make things better. And remember that as I start to tell nah. you about water companies. Um, no, 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 the- no. Because I know as a British person that the army will simply do it. Well, actually, you there will as not a be Scottish an emergency. The army will solve fine because Scottish uh, water is still nationalised and doesn't have nearly the amount right. of problems as anything in England or Wales. Um, no. So doesn't yeah. taste like shit um, either. So- <laughs> so essentially UK water infrastructure is is so incredibly bad that if we don't improve things drastically and with many billions of pounds in the very near future uh, collecting water in bottles or large canisters from emergency supplies is really not something out of the question um and as you know especially given that we're currently experiencing heat wave and britain has never been this dry since 1976 um and the water supplies are so low that there will definitely be reduced flow or even a chance of total cutoffs even in this october uh, as we're speaking right now um now i think i think you'll find rob that what will actually happen is england will just take all of scotland's water I think that's the backup plan that I've heard floated in a few papers. Of that is, that has been a plan for a long time. Uh, that was one of the sort of Boris mega construction projects. He was enamored for it for a while, that they would build giant pipes from Scotland and the Pennines all the way down to London to sort of abstract the water into the capital. 
it ended up not happening for you know obvious engineering reasons reasons but that was a plan for a good long while there it does sound extremely like Boris Johnson to be like, do you know what was a jolly good idea? Those aqueducts that the Romans had. Why don't we build one of those from <laughs> Edinburgh or whatever? Yeah. I, I, um, like Edinburgh's, I mean, it'll work perfectly fine because Edinburgh is more north, which means it's higher up. So it's just a big slope running down, right? Exactly. Yeah, how, yeah the Edinburgh water slide. <laughs> the Edinburgh water slide to, to London. Yeah. You, you get the Edinburgh water Man. slide to London down and then you get the Brexit railgun back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can float on the Edinburgh water slide like a little lilo and just make your way down. Yeah, yeah. if they aim the railgun at Loch Ness, then you land oh, in water they... and you're fine. What's yeah. your preferred mode of public transport? Oh, Lazy River. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the flume. Um, so, so you might be thinking, well, I mean, that's. It doesn't work, fuck. Uh, that's a serious problem. That's something that needs doing. Uh, however, our lovely privatized water companies are currently losing every day up to 20% of all water that's transferred through their pipes through leakage because it's all old and the maintenance for uh, mysterious Rob, reasons have never been done. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Remind me, remind me why was it again that uh, we sold uh, all of the nationalized water utility into... Pub, uh, private hands shareholders it's because it's Ideology. because of a demon in human form called margaret thatcher um i thought it was so, because it was they were, they were meant to like to modernize the, the pipes oh, and yeah no oh, that was that was definitely uh the plan uh and if you're thinking three billion liters a day that that's, that's like yes yes um <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you're thinking like three billion liters a day, that's like that's so much it's kind of hard to comprehend. Um, consider it as twenty-five thousand. Nah, I use more than 000. that for a bath. Yeah, could you give us it in? Could you give us it in? We've seen the size of your gardens, please. No, yeah. I can give it to you in um, in twenty. It's twenty. It roughly measures out to about twenty-five thousand liters a second, or pouring uh, fifty thousand pints filled with water every single second onto Jamie's lawn to to, to wet his fish. That's quite a few funerals. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. it's it's quite a Viking funeral uh, he's got going. And if you're living in the London area, by the way, your friends at Thames Water are single-handedly responsible for almost seven thousand of those liters every single second. Um, however, oopsie daisy, there is a drought we, we going all on. Make mistakes. The question is, you say, you say mistakes, you say mistakes. <laughs> I say concerted attempt to sink Britain. <laughs> I mean, to answer your question... See, it's not so fucking bad now, is it? No, it's fine, actually. All right, well, this podcast's over. Um, See you next week. Remember to listen to Peace at Home with music by Jordan. Um, No, so, however, I I do want to stress none none of this is the fault of the water companies. It's your fault. And uh, host pipe bands are currently... You've become too too accustomed to water. (laughs) Yes. Um, so host pipe bands are currently already in place on the Isle of Man and in Hampshire, and you can get up to a thousand quid fines uh, if they catch you running a water hose during the ban. Um, but if you'd like to compa- complain about water mains bursting in your area or, or the, the massive fine you just got, good luck, uh, because off what the regular noted in its latest reporting, serious customer service failures at all water companies, all 10 of them. So don't worry about it. It's fine. You just you can't talk to anybody. It's it's um, so that's just like on the sort of water consumption 
water leakage site. So let's see what else is going on. The Environment Agency report, which came out last week um, on environmental performance of water companies, noted that last year, 2021, was the worst year since 2013 with 62 serious pollution incidents. And by serious, I mean literally hundreds of millions of gallons of raw sewage entering our rivers and coastal waters. Um, and in its foreword, the chair of the water co- of of uh, of the Environment Agency literally writes as a warning that board members and CEOs of water companies should be jailed uh, for future incidents. That's that's not the kind of. I welcome. Of... I welcome mm. uh, the ideas put forward in the foreword, and I invite them to go further. <laughs> it's quite something, although um, the Environment Agency also not entirely to be trusted because they do have a long history of being quite in cahoots with the water companies and also being underfunded to the point of being unable to do any of their uh, of their jobs. Um, Singled out for special treatment, by the way, were Southern and Southwest Waters, who both had one out of a possible four-star ratings, with performance terrible across the board. Do these do these ratings go as low as zero though? Because I don't want any of those. They do not. Rip off. Ah, well, that's horseshit then. So, it, so it is zero fucking stars out of three then. It is essentially zero stars out of three, but you know they they can't quite give it give that. Um, and in the meantime, despite, uh, you know, the pipes leaking, the lead being in the pipes that are leaking, um, the massive yeah, well, environmental damage. at least the lead's leaking, you know what I mean? Imagine how much worse <laughs> you'd be if that got made it to your house. Well, they in do many, have In many some... ways, they're saving the British public. Well, they are, Jamie, in a, in a very literal sense, because what they're doing to combat the amount of lead that's dissolved into your drinking water is they add a, a, a subform of phosphates to it, which stops the, dis- the dissolution of lead into the water. But the phosphates are very bad for fish. And uh, so then when they get flushed down, they cause giant algae bloom that kill all the fish. That's and- all right, though. People aren't fish. That's not a problem. No, 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 no. It's fine. We just we don't need biodiversity. Biodiversity is tell, tell you what is a problem though. Tell you what is a problem. All of these, all of these unnatural phosphates getting in the road of that good British lead. That's that's great replacement. That's what that is. <laughs> is it? Is it these uh, phosphates that's making the frogs gay? Among among many other things, yes, it is. It's not those specific. Tim Farron, no, come but... on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But don't worry, in the meantime, capitalism's function is continuing good and normal as usual, uh, because in the nearly 30 years of privatization, uh, hundreds of billions, well, billions of pounds or hundreds of millions have been paid in dividends, uh, despite all the water companies being incredibly in debt. I was worried there for a second. I know you were. I know as, as a big investor in water companies, Jamie, I know you were getting very stressed out about all this. It's not so much an investor as a collector, really. Um, so yeah so and according to the financial times like the total capital expenditure which is like big plant stuff to like make new infrastructure happened uh, that's dropped 20 percent since the 1990s so they've dropped maintenance and renewal by more than a billion over the last couple decades yeah because those aren't those aren't um sources of profit rob it's very simple you don't build any infrastructure because that's expensive and you just run the shit that does exist into the ground because then then that's where all your, all your profit comes from are we um are we heading towards like the the government begrudgingly forming some sort of like uh like national maintenance service so that they can like privatize the profit but like fucking nationalize the 
They, I the think cost. that's certainly what the water companies would like, but um, and I think they might get it. They'll track the for They'd pipes. probably get it on the labor as well, quite frankly. <laughs> so uh, a very brief, because you know it's always good to get a sense of history about these things. Uh, a brief historical overview, with a lot of credit going to a report called UK Water Privatization: A Briefing. Uh, it's written by Emmanuel Lobin and David Hall um, at the Public Service International Research Unit. So essentially, in the before time, uh, there were public regional water companies, most of them public, some of them private. They used to just run the show with a few private operators, but those were strictly limited by law to not be allowed to return more than 5% a year in terms of dividends. The rest had to be reinvested. Um, however, that was a bit of a hodgepodge. So in 1974, the, service, the water services are reorganized under 10 regional water authorities, or RWAs, each being responsible for water quality, water supply, and water sanitation in a given region. Um, mind, by this time, uh, when these were formed and in the years following, they did sack 30,000 of their workers, but it created a more unified system. Whether or not it was any good is a separate question altogether, but it was unified, uh, which, of course, helps because this is when we get to Margaret fucking Thatcher again. Much like the bus episode, you can't escape this fucking demon. <laughs> Um, and she, of course, thought that these regional water authorities under public control shouldn't be under public control because the public sector is bad. Um, so the one well, of the first things she did before privatizing the whole thing is said you can't raise any more money in the form of debt as investment uh, because debt would be getting in the way of a better, more private future. Because if you put the thing on the market with debt, it doesn't really work out that way. So in 19... <laughs> it's, uh, so, it's so fun when it's like, oh yeah, that asset that you've got now, that doesn't count. But that debt, that's a very nasty word that we're going to have to talk about. Uh, very much so. Well, not really talk about it because one of her first actions before privatization was to make uh, all the minutes and the attendance of the uh, board meetings of the Regional Water Authority a secret. So the public couldn't know what was going on inside them anymore. That was in 83. Um, and then in, 19, in 1988, uh, we get the Water Act, which turns the whole thing into a private shit show. And I say shit show because, of course, what was going to happen is what we have now. A very efficient uh, private sector that has the ability to access the finance needed to do big investments to keep our water clean and safe in the future. And it would create competition, which would be better because competition makes mm. everything better animal spirits of the markets all that you know as, it's, as it's, with the fucking buses as with the trains as with electricity and gas you just if you want to change your your uh, provider or the the company that you're do, doing business with you just get a different set of pipes piped into your house or a different railway like station built near where you live or a different bus company set up uh, though to be fair you could literally do that yourself apparently you could yes <laughs> um I, but i do say you know competition in the, the the private market but um so what happens is the 10 rwas are turned into 10 different private water companies and are literally handed all their asset um not only handed all their assets before they did this transfer to the stock market um the government wrote off all the debt previously held by the public authorities and also uh gave them each about 150 million pounds as a little treat as startup capital. Oh, I'd love, I love to have a little goodie bag which it, which uh, has in it 150 million quid, all my debts wiped away, and also a shitload of fucking assets. Cool. 
they also got one more present, which is even more amazing. Um, the government gave each 10 of them a 25-year concession in their region and protection against any form of competition. So we didn't so much create healthy market competition <laughs> as 10 literal regional monopolies inscribed by law to last 25 years. And when's mm. that up? Was it finished uh, It was or? up in 2013. But wouldn't you know it, even though they can compete now, they do seem to prefer sticking to their own region where there is no competition. And they have Weird a sort that. of... Um, yeah, you, uh, you, don't, you don't want to get in a turf war with a water company. It just gets very ugly very quickly. Exactly, exactly. It's uh, it's 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 very it's lots of flick knives and, and people clicking fingers and dance moves. It's very dangerous out there. Um, <laughs> very 1950s of humoral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so not only did they have all their debts wiped up, given a literal monopoly and 150 million each in a goodie bag, um, the Thatcher government then proceeded to sell them about 20% under market value in terms of the price asked for the shares when they came on the market it's um, just good business sense yeah and they also got an exemption from paying taxes on any profits they made oh for fuck's sake yeah <laughs> just and one more thing yeah. oh. president <laughs> deal strikes again <laughs> now i mean look it was really hard for them because their profits only rose 150 percent in the first decade so you know you need that kind of support to, to, to keep going uh, so apart from having now these 10 privatized entities, plus some others that were private before, uh, there are now three separate regulators. There's the Drinking Water Inspectorate, drinking water quality. There's the Rivers Authority, which is now part of the Environment Agency, which looks after the environmental parts. And, and there's Off Moist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, which, much like Ofgem, uh, where, where it concerns uh, energy prices, Ofwat is by statute responsible for making, uh, for setting the prices, um, what the water companies can charge people and how much they should invest. However, they Ofwat has one further mandate, which I really didn't know about. They also are by statute responsible for making sure water companies are profitable. That, that is their mandate. They must ensure that water companies turn a profit to their investors at all times under all scenarios. Which came in handy two mm. years ago when four of them sued off what because they thought they weren't making enough money and the competition authority agreed with them. Oh, fuck's sake. Real, real, I mean, like, and then... Oh, I don't, I, <laughs> there's another boy with a nicer, nicer fucking, I don't know, like, console. I... Okay, okay, little <laughs> Timmy, you can have your own, and this one's got all the bells and whistles on it. <laughs> you promise to go to school tomorrow or invest in new sewage plants? No. Um, to uh, everyone's shock, and think about it. <coughs> so, of course, to everybody's shock and surprise, the first decade after privatization saw a forty-six percent rise in average water bills in England and Wales, um, but no significant increase in quality. It's weird how that happens. That normally never happens in in case when yeah. shit gets privatized uh they also did incredible shenanigans like uh in their budgets for the year going forward they would promise a lot of infrastructure spending to off what and then they would yank that promised investment at the very last moment because there was a, a clause written in that said if you can't invest what you were promised you can now count that not invested money as profit so they would just say, well, we're uh, going to invest a lot. And then in December 30, they would say, oh, actually, we decided not to. Can we give that money to our shareholders? And then Offward said, yeah, that's fine. That's subclause, whatever it is. 
Well, if you, if you think mm. about it, the real infrastructure of the business is the shareholders, so... Exactly. And who are the shareholders, you ask? Well, they're pensioners and, you know, normal people like you and me who, who oh, have their money tied up in the stock market. fucking pensioners. <laughs> uh, they also pulled some amazing other shenanigans. This is uh, uh, from the... Um, the report I cited at the start, Yorkshire Water was expecting to avoid a 50 million expenditure on sewage treatment because the Conservative government promised to redefine coastal waters near the city of Hull as sea, where untreated sewage could be dumped freely instead of as an estuary where the sewage would have to be treated. So by simply saying, no, no, that's sea, you can dump all the raw sewage you like. Mm. <laughs> once again, once again, progress falls victim to the old tactic of you can do that it's legal now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but don't worry about it though it's been really good this, for some this uh, was a crime now it's an option for business <laughs> yeah it's just we're creating more efficient markets for raw sewage that the fish can now trade with each other which is what i assume is what's going on in down there mm. um but don't worry about it it's been really good news for some though uh uh, Thames Water just had a brand new CEO um, and they gave him a 3.1 million pound golden hello for merely coming on board uh, that, is this, the, this uh, that is the shittest low effort phrase ever as well like <laughs> yeah. just say hello. you gave the guy a fucking wank and then let's move on with our lives uh, yeah, she, he, by the way, is joined by current uh, seven Trent Water CEO Liv Garfield, earning four million. Peter Simpson, CEO of Anglian, more than one million last year. And from what I've seen in my research, I don't think there's a single water company CEO that is under a million pound a year in pure salary. So excluding bonuses, perks and other shit like that. So don't worry about it. Some people are doing very, very well out of all this. Not the water companies, though. They are increasingly sinking in a giant mire of debt, about about which much more later. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about the actual water infrastructure and the leakage that I that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, so the following bits of like the rest of the story, a lot of this work has been done uh, by Gil Plimmer at the uh, Financial Times, uh, who is a journalist who works a lot on infrastructure issues in the UK. So thanks a lot for like, I read, I don't know, Christ knows how much of her work. Uh, so thank you very much for, for that. This is a story from last week. Uh, let me just read you a little bit. Uh, this is the introduction. The tap, the tap water in Ben Archard's apartment in the Herne Hill neighborhood of South London flows through toxic lead pipes, increasing the risk of brain damage to his children and prompting him to pay for bottled drinking water. Tests carried out by the local authority this year revealed that more than half the 96 flats on the privately owned estate in Lambeth had lead levels in drinking water uh, above the legally permitted 10 micrograms per liter and 60 are uh, are at risk of receiving water above the safe levels for lead in drinking water so he he's not alone this is not like an isolated example um millions of uk homes still have genuine lead pipes some of them from the victorian era uh, and that's because even though lead pipes have been forbidden in new home construction since the 1970s they are prevalent according to off what in homes built before then uh, the financial times estimates that that could be up to 25 million homes and and if you're hmm. wondering well that's the, just if just wait though just wait though until like they start like you know they say that for for climate for, for to help with climate change all new homes can be built with like paper pipes 
or some shit? They are not far removed from that. Uh, one of the things that um, how Barrett Holmes and other developers are currently very angry about is that they have to when they build new sites that they have that they're not just allowed to dump their building waste into like the local streams so they're trying to get that <laughs> regulation changed um so and if you're wondering well who's bury it under the houses no one will ever find it there <laughs> um so if you're wondering well who's responsible for the literal lead in in your water well the mains so the, the main lines they are the responsibility of the water companies but the bit between the mains and the tap is shared between the water company and the property owner. So in most cases, that would be your landlord, who is, of course, incredibly incentivized to do a very ex expensive excavation underneath your building and get the lead out of your pipes. Uh, mm. So which which means, by the way, that pipes, lead pipes are usually only replaced when there's like major renovations of the entire apartment block or, or council house or wherever you live. It's from before the 1970s uh, or when the owner specifically asks for an official measuring of lead content in the water. It, it's not done by the by the water companies or your landlord. You have to specifically ask for it. And I think you also have to pay for it. So if you think like there's something really wrong with your kids and the water tastes funny and you don't have the money to get it tested, then you're stuck and, you know, buy more plastic bottles of water, which is also good for everybody. Mm. Um, yeah. And as I mentioned, you know, one of the ways that the water companies are fixing this is instead of replacing pipes and doing actual investment is they're just uh, using a ty that type of phosphate that ends up killing all the biodiversity downstream when your water ends up as sewage uh, in, in the oceans, essentially. Uh, remember, by the way, uh, a cap capital expenditure, so investment from water companies to for pipes and replacement and, and, and real plant work was slashed 20% since the 1990s. As I mentioned before, just like a number to keep in mind as you're wondering literally why your actual children have brain damage. This is, you know, it's, it is always so much fun when we go through the essentially like the reality of what privatization has done to whatever natural monopoly it is we're talking about of the week. And just how when you actually lay it out all in front of you, just how completely fucking insane the entire endeavor has been from start to finish and absolutely ludicrous that any any person who considers, you know, the public to be something that matters as opposed to private shareholders and their share prices. Uh, just the idea that anyone could, op could oppose uh, nationalizing fucking utilities. Like the fact that it means that we would actually be able to maybe build some fucking infrastructure in this fucking country for once, rather than just, you know, taxing the, well, not even taxing, extracting rents from the rot. It's, it's fucking incredible. I mean, seriously, while I was doing this and also when we were talking about the buses a couple of weeks ago, this is the shit that drives me. It drives me completely insane. I don't I don't understand how it's how anything is allowed to function like this in whatever it is, the ninth richest economy or some of the wealthiest. It's like that this shit is fixable. You just you can't have these fucking private energy companies or private water companies or private bus companies in the middle just draining the life out of the fucking society that is it's and i'm not kidding around fixable here fixable if the political will is there but by god there is no fucking political will whatsoever on no because we just started talking 
we just started when we started this episode. We started talking about the Labour Party and their current stance on renationalisation, saying no, we can't do it because our own fiscal rules that we've made up in our own fucking head for no reason than to please, you know, focus group Brenda, the insane Tory racist who lives somewhere in the Red Wall thing that doesn't exist, and she doesn't like the idea of it because she only reads the Daily Mail and fucking conservative woman. It, I mean, let's let's cut through this. It's not that there's no political will. It's that there is a concerted effort to make sure that these ideas are not taken seriously. It's not that they've decided for their rules we don't want to do. It's they don't want to do it and everything else is justification after the fact. And making sure the people who don't want to do it are the ones in a position where they get to decide whether it happens or not is an entire industry. As everything Rob has just laid out has basically explained. It's all like massive money in the background decided they wanted it this way and that's it. And we now live in the ruins, well, but follow. You know what else is really super cheap, by the way? That's the next thing I want to talk about. Um, is instead of treating water, why don't you just dump raw sewage into our seas and uh, coastal waters and, and rivers? That's really fucking cheap. Uh, so official data for England and Wales last year show that there were more in 2021. There were more than 370,000 spills in the year. So that's more than a thousand sewage spills into into public waters literally every day and some of them are tiny trickles but some of them are literally like giant drain pipes hosing shit into your waters um the yeah, current Rob, record this is a good thing this is a good thing and it makes perfect sense because the housing market in the north of england and like hull for example like you said earlier it, it the, the houses cost much less so when you dump waste there it's got less of an impact, right? And it's also good because it's keeping the house prices down. And really, isn't that what we need in this economy is cheaper housing? So I don't see why you're getting so mad about it, Rob. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd think so. But the current record holder for most spills in 2021, uh, which released huge amounts of sewage into the environment of Manchester, a, a city with incredibly exploding property prices as well, and the northwest of England, is United Utilities, which had... 81,588 spills last year, according to environmental agencies Jesus figures Christ. quoted in the Financial Times. 81 fucking thousand, nearly 82,000 a year. By the way, not for nothing, but you remember those environment agency star ratings we were talking about earlier? They have a four out of four rating, so everything's fine. Of course Don't we worry do. about it. Of course <laughs> we do. Yes. Uh, and I also love the language like spills rather than dumps, you know? Just yeah. fantastic. Absolutely. No, this is I'm, all... car I'm carrying my, my numerous barrels of uh, of sludge across the street and oopsie daisy, I've slipped on a banana peel and they've spilled everywhere. That's, I mean you would, you're you get ninja would... turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would literally get like better waste management treatment from Tony fucking Soprano and his family. Like that's I, I don't know how it can possibly get worse, but don't worry about it. United Utilities is on the case and they've promised to reduce their number of spills from nearly 82,000 to a much more manageable 79, 55,000, oh. 55,000. They want to reduce it by a third by 2025. So you're only having over 50,000 spills a year. You know, it's fine. It's good. And in the Shoot meantime, the stars, baby. I mean, to All four of them. To understand that, though, like, it only counts as a spill, read dump, if it's in an area where they're not allowed to dump it. So if they're redefining estuaries as being ocean, then it's not a spill anymore, baby, and that counts as a reduction. 
No, because also specifically, uh, water companies are allowed to dump raw sewage uh, and effluent into uh, publicly accessible water streams, including coastal waters. Uh, as long as there's a storm going on, if there's a certain amount of rain falling, they can just open oh, the taps yeah, we, because then we it dilutes. We talked about this on a previous pod. We yeah. went over this before. It was the whole, yes. if you can't smell it, then it doesn't exist. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah, I'm not sure that's yeah. the rule, yeah, he, but it might as well He be. who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> <laughs> into statute law basically yeah Thames Water another fucking king of the hill shit company by the way managed to discharge raw sewage into local rivers on two out of every three days every day between 2018 and 2021 that's it, dedication to the bit that's fucking incredible and mind this is we we don't actually know how much spills and 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 raw again raw sewage in local water streams is happening because the environment agency is totally re reliant on water companies self-reporting. <laughs> mm. uh, Their mandate so is apply it by a factor of three. Then probably. I mean, you should at like like according to I can't fully remember the numbers, so I'm I'm a bit iffy on on being too specific, but I think it's about. The environment agency estimate is is that all spills and and stuff like that is underreported by a factor of about twenty percent. So you need to add a lot more on top of this, actually. Um, and mind, by the way, when I say the word spill, the environment agency counts a spill as like a small pipe that bursts and that is fixed in literally under a day, or a gigantic dam breaking event that leaks raw sewage into your river for multiple days. That is one spill. So <laughs> it, it's all one thing. It's, just, it's fucking. It's so fucking rigged. Like it, it's just fucking beyond words how insane all of this is. It's, it does, it's kind of like, you know, Margaret Thatcher comes along and she's like, right, we're going to make society privatized for, you know, the benefit of private interest. And what's the first thing we decide to do? What's the fundamental basis of civilization? Making sure the shit isn't around to make people sick. So if we just start with that, it's like, it's really grim. I've it's, actually it's held it as defense of the nation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So if you're asking, well, what, what does tend to happen when, when the company starts self-reporting in, instead of doing the actual work? Uh, this is again from the Financial Times. Southern Water was fined 90 million. This is what we discussed. I, don't, I couldn't remember which pod it is, but this is the bit we discussed a couple or many pods ago now. Uh, was fined a record 90 million for pollution in 2021. Offward had already found that uh, Subwater had manipulated water samples and deliberately misreported data for seven years until 2017 to avoid financial penalties. The company also used tankers to shift wastewater from problematic sites to better sites to avoid submitting poor readings to the Environment Agency. So they were just gaming the self-installed sensors they had to do. Which is fucking incredible. Uh, but it's it's weird because, Jamie, you mentioned this more at the top. Uh, they did actually find a way to, to do better monitoring and check up on leaks. Uh, in 2019, the BBC reported that Seven Trentwater had found a really good way of getting monitors out on the cheap. They literally sent Uber and taxi drivers out to take pictures of leaks. So an engineer sitting at home or, or in a control room somewhere could look at it at their pleasure. They literally what? sent fucking... Taxi drivers and Uber drivers out. So the whole idea of like, you know, you keep your experts in a central location and then you get them the information and then if need be, they follow up in person. I'm not adverse to that, but the implementation leaves a lot to be desired. 
I mean, this is just the efficiency of the free market, and you're just jealous, James. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it for even more than a second, that's incredibly dangerous for like the poor drivers as well. Imagine you're not yes. sent to like a, a broken water pipe somewhere in a residential area, but in a big industrial neighborhood, and fuck knows what that water contains. Like that could be yes. incredibly personally dangerous if you're not a trained person who yes. knows what they're looking what at and looking uh, for. What if it's full of the slime from Ghostbusters too? Mm. Uh, but I think that can only lead to, to good results. Uh, that or turtles, as, as you mentioned previously. Um, so all of this adds up to, again, according to the Financial Times, only sixteen, only sixteen percent, sixteen one six percent of all UK and coastal waterways and rivers meet minimum EU standards for cleanliness. Because the water companies, as mentioned, they really like dumping out untreated sewage and stormwater and just not reporting it when they are doing it illegally. Uh, and of course, we now and that, exited and that's, the. And that's, and that's why we left. Exactly, because we couldn't handle this overbearing regulatory state anymore. By the way, mind you, it's not always that good because there have been cases of local people trying to get the data out of the environment agencies and having to go through like a 20 year legal battle to get the numbers out of the environment agency and the water companies. So the EA is not necessarily the good guys in this story, but they good are. Good also Lord, what is happening in, on those coastlines? Uh, the Northern Lights? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the aurora borealis. <laughs> um, however, like um, so, in the UK in general, there are about fifteen thousand storm overflow pipes uh, that just literally uh, uh, exit in rivers and and coastals, coastal waters that are used to just dump raw uh, sewage out. And there's a the citizens group called Windrush Against uh, Sewage Pollution or WASP. Uh, they noted that about 95 oh, the, the good kind of wasp the good kind of wasp uh, they noted about 95 percent of all illegal spills so the ones that don't happen during storm hours are just literally not reported uh, mm. by the water companies to the environment agencies even though they should be doing that I mean of course they're not but you know so so multiply whatever whatever f value of uh, spills or leaks or whatever multiply that by a factor of 20. Factor See, twenty, I, or at least add between twenty and fifty percent on top of it, at least maybe yeah, more. Price knows. I'm, I honestly think it's going to be three times because there's been other industries that have self-reporting requirements and consistently insurers get only report about a third of the incidents they're meant to. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher, frankly, because we are on a uniquely normal island. I mean, I, unfortunately, a look, I don't want to be a uniquely normally shitty island. I I don't want to be. Right. Uh, only the bearer of bad news like they had there is some good news our, our our government regulatory bodies you know the ones that again labor says we don't want to uh nationalize we want to rely more on our regulators to do good things so off what is here to save the day they recently suggested politely but not enforced that water companies start linking executive pay to performance something by the way that doesn't exist yet that's not enforced by any kind of mandate because otherwise you wouldn't get the very successful people on board so you need to have this fucking insanity as well also well, according if to you want to keep if you want to keep your high-paid executives give them a golden taser or some shit <laughs> um also, the number of court actions by the environmental agency have been falling literally year on year, every year for the last couple of years. Um, and basically, the environment agency, again, they are drastically underfunded, so it's not entirely their fault. But they only do something and like get into regulatory mode when there's big 
public pressure and campaigns as we've seen in the last two years we've seen a few of them that's when the environment agency do something they react essentially to public pressure campaigns they don't do their job because either they don't want to or because they physically cannot do it so i mean i, re- I do relate to that <laughs> <laughs> right so anyway the, the the government also has a bold new stance uh they are also really on the case so See if you can follow the qualifiers in this little sentence. They, the government's new stance is they are demanding a cut of discharge into bathing waters during swimming season by 70%, but only by 2035. Wow. <laughs> Uh, they also have said that they want to reduce total discharges, essentially legal and illegal, by 40% by 2040 and by 80% by 2050. And that's beyond the remit of any existing current government, so you might as well read never. Because that would never fucking to be fair, exist. That's actually quite a clever idea, because by the time we hit 2050, uh, those will be like actually at sea, those outlets. So, yeah, yeah. They, they've, kind yeah. Of, they've won now. Uh, all of this, of course, fixing any of this would require a really significant amount of investment in all aspects of water management. But the companies are a little bit too busy turning out profit for shareholders and enjoying their regional monopolies, which is the last bit I want to talk about is, well, they have a monopoly. They got given a big bag of cash. They um, didn't have to compete with anybody. And then, you know, were essentially left alone to just cream off the money. So what what happened to them? Um by the way, even Offwatt happily refers in their own literature uh, of the 10 water companies as monopoly providers. Uh, that's They're happy to say that in, out loud and in public, by the way. Um, it's, it's, it sounds really bad when you write it down. <laughs> uh, since then, water companies collectively have borrowed more than $53 billion, according to the Financial Times, which averages out to about 2,000 quid per household that they've borrowed. And they've also managed to pay out 72 billion in dividends to the different private owners, uh, including, by the way, through specifically through raising debt to pay for dividends, which seems like a very oh. sensible thing for any company. Oh, well, it's, it's, a re- it's a really good job that um, private companies have that separation between the people who run the company and uh, the actual company itself. Mm. It's just, great. Thinking- yeah, yeah. It must be really fun to play Monopoly and get the little turd made out of pewter and get to pass gold and get how many billion? Like, that's fantastic. Mind you, by the way, that 55 billion in debt loading is without adding in any existing or future pension liabilities or um, any financial derivative <laughs> shenanigans. It's that are all fine. It's fine. There is always money in the banana stand. It's fine. Uh, so if you add in like the pension debts and the the financial derivatives read shenanigans then their debt loading is easily over 100 percent. so pretty much all the water companies are financially underwater if you take in that total debt loading there it is yeah i know i know solid comedy right there (laughs) um and that's despite having a manifest monopoly position and not investing anything. Uh, this year, Southern Water, Yorkshire Water, and SES Water, which is parts of Surrey, parts of Sussex, parts of Kent and Southern London, uh, have all been signaled by Offort as having substantial financial weaknesses, according to the Financial Times, which means they could be in really big fucking trouble. Um, how, but don't like, worry about I it. I mean, I'm... I know, I know this is a rhetorical question, but how do you own a monopoly and then just fail to survive as a business? Well, it's because it can't... Right, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 this, this drives me nuts. There's some things in our society that can't make a profit. And I don't mean as in, like, they're not, you know, you, you know, they shouldn't make a profit. I mean, they can't. 
right? Yeah. At the end of the day, there's just certain parts of society you just have to stump up and pay for because we need them to live and you're not going to make money off of them. And the water and waste management, they're part of it. They're fundamental. They are a necessity to allow you to create secondary markets where there is variability in profit and loss. But these things just have to be in place and have to function. And you can't make money off of them. It's the same. Ultimately, it's the same as the electricity markets. What's basically happening when people are making profit is they're essentially just getting paid by the public purse. They're just screaming money off the top. There's no activity taking place there that can really generate profit. That's just not it, it's just no. not there. It's, it's it literally not there because, because part of the thing that they have to do, and I know, James, you've talked about it in, in different contexts on another podcast. I can't remember which one. But, like, the main job of a water company is essentially to do, like, big maintenance. They just have to replace mm. the pipes and replace their shit. But maintenance is never profitable. Building new yeah, shit yeah, is profitable. Uh, your, job, your job is to replace the pipe. Oh, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to. But, but that's the thing. It's like, so let's, you know, it's the whole trend of civilization. Like, once you're building a thing for the first time, you can say, well, there's a value and productivity add here. And that, you know, if you go by labor theory of value, and even if you go by, like, you know, more kind of, um, you know, libertarian, you know, views of value, then essentially, you know, you can see there's, there's money being added. But maintenance isn't. Maintenance is just holding static. Money you pour into maintenance doesn't give you dividends. It just upholds the status quo. And so if you're looking for a return on your investment, then you can't make money off of doing that. You just can't. You just straight up, it doesn't exist. You, you, I mean, you can do it if you just like l load up giant amounts of debt in these quasi-monopoly companies and just assume, as I think we all should, that the interest rates will never rise because that's something that just doesn't happen. But don't worry about it. Anglia Water, at least, still paid out $92 million last year in dividends to its ultimate owners via a number of other companies, uh, which happen to include the Abu Dhabi Investment Fund, the Canada Pension Plan, and IFM Global Infrastructure Fund. I don't know who owns that. It's fine. It's cool. Um, but at the same time, by the way, uh, uh, customers of Anglia Water still got a 5% uh, increase on their water bill. And on average, each and every one of you listening in the UK, 20% of your water bill goes to servicing uh, these debt loads and providing a return to shareholders. That's like at least 20%. It could be more depending on which, which company uh, you're with. But don't worry about it. Um, Anglia Water has been... They really focused on the ball and they've set aside at least a couple of million to improve customer service and help them with their bills. And by help with, I don't mean forgive their bills. I mean, presumably smear out the repayments over a longer period of time, like you will be doing with your gas bills uh, come January. It's, it's, it's great. Um, Southern Water, by the way, the people we talked about on the previous pod when they got hit with the £90 million fine for dumping billions of litres of raw sewage water into rivers and seas, they self-estimate um, that if they were to totally replace all their sewage works and pipes and, you know, get a really clean new system that would suss out these leaks and, you know, stop the entire ecosystem from fucking dying because of all the shit we pump in it, um, for Southern Water alone, their self-estimate is that that would cost £50 billion. So literally as much as the total debt taken on by all water companies since 1991. And that's for one. So multiply the bill by 10, and then you get to about a figure that we would need to spend to get the UK's creaking Victorian, and I do mean literally Victorian, infrastructure mm. ready for the age of climate catastrophe. That's that's what it would take. Um and if you're wondering, by Let's the way, ready for a turds of a new generation. Hey, 
Um, if you're wondering who gets the dividends, me too. This is again from the Financial Times. Since 2007, um, Southern Water has been owned by a consortium of infrastructure investors through a complex multi-layered structure involving 12 intermediate holdings, companies, and whose ultimate parent is Green Sands Holdings, which is incorporated in Jersey. The largest shareholder in Green Sands Holding was, until September, a Cayman Island registered infrastructure fund advised by JP Morgan. No idea. Literally no idea who the fuck these people who the fuck these people are uh it, it, by the way mm. uh southern even as southern water was paying that uh that mass, massive fine um they were also paying 190 million in dividends to whoever it is in the cayman islands um but they also at the same time have the contributions to the southern water employee pension scheme so it works out really well just for everybody you know it's great it's, but don't you worry again everyone gets paid nobody goes to jail we're all doomed <laughs> but don't you worry look southern water this is this sounds really shit look right um but they have a ma major new investor that's recently pumped in uh, about a billion pounds uh that investor is called macquarie they're an australian infrastructure bank and they have a good Ugh. track record of, of of these things because they previously owned thames water from 2006 to 2016 before selling it among others to the kuwaiti investment authority and borealis infrastructure which is ultimately owned by a canadian pension fund but you know I don't want to say they treat they mistreated Thames Water when they did own it, but they did saddle Thames Water with an extra two billion of debt on its books, according to the BBC. And that two billion was to pay Macquarie Investment Banking itself back for buying Thames Water in the first place. So they bought Thames Water with debt, if this seems familiar, then loaded that debt on the company books and then walked away with, you know, a is, new water. Is this the investment bank? version of the left-wing Patreon £5. <laughs> it's uh, it's the uh, collateralized loan obligations that we talked about a few weeks ago. It's, it's, it's pretty much exactly that. You know, the thing that's Excellent. not a problem when the interest rates rise. Uh, so overall, again, the huge debt load on these water companies meaning they cannot afford to um, do serious upgrading. They can only do s literal spot welding shit when things explode, uh, this again from the Financial Times, one water industry executive said that companies were spending more on maintaining deteriorating assets than replacing them. He pointed to the use of water jets to deal with blockages in the example. They are a poor substitute for improving the network and will actually hasten pipe deterioration. So you can fix it by just shooting a whole bunch of water through at once, but that will just cause the pipes to deteriorate further and create more leaks than the 2 billion litres we already have flowing out of the UK's water systems day in and fucking day out. It's... It, it, if you, Yeah, when there's no money to be made, all you do is the bare fucking minimum and, uh, you know, the rest of it you get basically paid by the public. That's it. And if you were wondering, by the way, well, maybe we can live with the lead in the water, so maybe my children's brains can just be soft and spongy for the rest of our lives, and I can live with all that. But well, I, I really do want the fish and the seagulls to, to, to be happier. Um, there was a government report out last year. Um, they asked a consultancy company to, say, to uh, say how much would it cost to fix the storm overflows and therefore either partially or completely halt the raw sewage dumping from impacting our beaches and rivers. So that report found that it that this would cost between 350 and 600 billion pounds to completely fix the problem. 
Uh, and that would, in this scenario, mean that your water bill would have to go up between 550 and 1,000 quid a year and be highly disruptive because we haven't done anything, because it's not the job of the private market to fix anything in this stupid fucking economy. I mean, this is this is exactly the, the exact same approach that, you know, the West at large has taken to climate catastrophe, right? Just, if we do nothing, then it's fine. But, oh no, the costs of actually doing something are very cheap. Well, comparatively very cheap if we were to do something, anything like in the 60s or 70s or the 80s, but now that everything is so completely overburdened, completely falling apart, held together with blue tack and, like, fucking shoestring, uh, it is going to cost an insane amount because of so the amount yeah, of stuff that's just accumulated over the, decades the key, of the neglect. key thing, The key thing, though, is that it's going to cost a lot of money and not return a profit, so no one's yeah. going to do it. Mm. And, and, and to be really clear about this, okay, you might think, well, are they just being shits? And it's like, yes, and also the system encourages it because if, let's say, let's say you are that, you know, impossible unicorn that, you know, of a a board of one of these companies that decides you want to do it right and you want to you want to do good for the public. Doesn't exist, but let's say, you know, we're in make-believe land. If you do that, if you actually make the investment, etc., then you are going to be, by definition, non-profitable or even just let's let's be really kind and say it's possible um we're we're really sniffing the glue here um you are just less profitable well because you're a private entity that means that all the investors are going to go to the other more profitable companies that's basically how it works and it means that essentially you're putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage it's the competition it's just a fucking competition you know because this is something you can't compete on because there's no profit to really be made and therefore it incentivizes you to do nothing. It's like the same as climate change, literally the same. There's no profit to be made in avoiding the perils of prime climate yeah, change. It was cli- it was climate change I was talking about, like um, Yeah, exactly. Like and, and you, that's you could argue that like, you know, it's surely apparent to everyone that if like just everyone dies, there's no one left to buy like fucking McDonald's or any sh- some shit like that. But mcdonald's aren't going to be the ones to stick their neck out and put that like the cost of preventing that on their fucking balance sheet you know what i mean yeah and the government aren't going to do it the gov- the best you're going to get from the government is they're going to give like you know like 20 billion pounds to fucking do carbon capture and or like you know seed the sky with reflective particles or some shit but they're going to give that 20 billion to some guy that bought them like a fucking bag of crisps yeah. in the pub once to a, to a, they're going to give it to a, a wonderful they're going to give it to a wonderful public-private cooperation where the public just punts in the money and then the private sector just sticks it in their back pocket and fucks off to the Cayman Islands. Because that's what's yeah. happened for the last fucking 30 years in the water sector, 40 years, 50 years, or Christ knows how much since since the neoliberal turn in the 1980s. And just by way of wrapping yeah. this up. And, the, um, um, and the, pipes, the pipes aren't going to get fixed because, like, you might see, you know, lead pipes poisoning children and, and co- giving them, like, lasting brain damage. But, like, to the government, that's securing the next generation of Tory voters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, by way of conclusion, so in July, if you remember, in July of last year, there was a huge rainstorm in London. Uh, it dumped about a month's worth of rain in about 90 minutes. Uh, the result was flooded tube stations, road closures, and literal torrents of raw sewage exploding into people's home uh, due to the rainwater backing up the entire sewage system. 
that happened in one of the richest boroughs of one of the world's wealthiest cities where they just finished like a massive five billion uh infrastructure sewage infrastructure projects the thames um something it's called oh the thames tideway project that's what it's called and as we are now definitely and i think as we're recording i'm fucking sweltering again we are definitely yeah. in the cool zone of climate consequence. I, we are way past the point where we could adapt things small, both in terms of, of droughts and floods and, and, and the absolute demand to keep up with life in general uh, for deep understanding and deep investment in the infrastructure that literally supports our lives because water is kind of critical to our fucking survival. Um, even in London, they couldn't do it. They didn't want to do it, and they haven't uh, 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 been able to, to fix it. Um, and all I know is that even with all the, the costs that are associated, even if it costs $500 billion that nobody wants to spend because the Labour Party is run by morons and the Tor Tories are the Tories, we need, even given all that, starting yesterday on fixing this problem, on, on, on new pipes and stopping literally 25,000 litres of water fucking leaking out, out into nothing every single second of every single fucking day in the UK. Even with all of that, we need to start yesterday and not in 2025 or not in 2030 or not in 2050 or whatever horseshit the government promises in limited circumstances. Because much like the buses we talked about last month, this this thing is it's falling apart. Like the we've hit bedrock and we're just chipping into it now. There's nothing this system cannot and will never be resolved or fixed or, or maintained by the private sector because James, as you said, even if they were hundred percent good boys and girls, they would still abstract profit and give it to investors rather than reinvest and make something actually happen. It, there is no well, way on God's green earth you can't do anything unless you nationalize this and much of the rest of the UK because well, capitalism it, it, has a death drive and doesn't want to fix this. And, and water is such a fucking blindingly obvious example that literally doing this, I've just like the, the, the podcasting veins in my forehead have just been fucking popping all day reading about this this okay, you cannot rob, run rob, a society rob. like this rob would you like me to to tell you a little anecdote to cheer you up at the end here it'd have to be all right let, let's see if you can can make that happen so sir terry pratchett famous writer there's a lovely story about him which i think is pretty fantastic and sums all of this up beautifully um, he got invited to a few, like, you know, fantasy conventions and onto panels of other writers, but they stopped inviting him after a while to certain ones. And the reason is because of this. He got invited to a panel and he sits down and there's like, you know, six authors on the stage and someone put their hand up in the audience and they're asking questions and they asked, so when you come to designing a fantasy city, you know, what are the steps you go through? And so we started the first offer, author and Terry Pratchett's right at the end. And the first author's like, well, I think about language and I think about how language is really shaped by the aesthetics of culture, etc. And the second one says, yes, that's good. And I, I also think about the the physical beauty of, of, of where they'll be living. And I think about the themes that are inherent in the text. And, and so they go through all of them until they get to the very end. And Terry Pratchett kind of, you know, coughs and goes, well, first thing you have to consider when building a city is how does fresh water get in and how does the shit go out? And um, that was pretty much it. Uh, he never got invited back again because he showed all the rest of them up. And, yeah. uh, you know, there is a reason that in his most famous work, it's built around a big fucking river, which is polluted to fuck, called the Ank, you know, the Ank. So, uh, yeah, like, 
you know, it's the sort of thing which is fundamentally important, but no one wants to talk about it. And, uh, you know, thus goes our society. Yeah. Mm. And hence this podcast episode. Almost, I think, mm. David. Or do you... Do you want to cut it here? Yes. No. 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 We'll we'll, we'll do this. It's it's fairly quick. So, um, as as a little a little treat, seeing as we Uh-oh. we were too hot to record the other week, um, we'll we'll go a bit longer. And I have an article. Oh no! It's a short one. I haven't seen this, by the way. This is a, it's a rare time where I have no idea what the fuck's going <laughs> on. This is like the time you sprung Sidon on us. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't emotionally prepared for this. My God, is that Jordan's music? (laughs) (laughs) When does gratitude demand a gratuity? What? What? Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to, please don't look up who wrote it. (laughs) 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 Please don't look up who wrote this. I want to keep that a surprise for the end. How should kindness be rewarded? Is it truly its own reward, or is it our duty to see that a good turn done to us by a total stranger has its payback somewhat earlier and somewhere more convenient than in heaven? It's tricky. It's really tricky. So, I was in a Nisa local in West Wales a few days ago for a few bits and bobs. Uh, Bottled water for my children because the tap water tastes of pencils. Sliced white bread. Panda cola. Finder's Crispy Pancakes, super, corn? super Strength Cider, and Badger Ham, because that is what they sell in a Nisa local. What? When I got to the till Definitely and realised like that I had... Corn. When I got to the till and realised that I had left my wallet at the property that I had rented deliberately to inflate the Welsh housing market and put local families in hostels. I had my phone with me, but my Apple Pay is linked to my Amex because I have literally no idea how to change it to my far more useful bank debit card, and nowhere west of Bristol takes Amex. In fact, if they even get wind of the fact that you have an Amex card, they burn you to death inside a giant wicker accountant. I apologise to the guy... This is Giles Corrin or it's Jeremy Clarkson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I apologise to the guy on the till and asked if he could please put my groceries aside while I drove back to the house I was renting specifically in order that he should never be able to afford the property in his hometown to get my wallet. But then a lovely Pembrokeshire accent just behind me... But then a lovely Pembrokeshire accent just behind me said, how much is it, love? I can pay for those and you can just pay me back online. It's £13.74, I said to a lady of about my age wearing a red t-shirt and a big smile. Are you sure? Of course, dear, you're on holiday. You don't want to go herring around in this heat. Here, Barry, put it on my card. I write down my details and you do it whenever. And so she did. She's a local cleaner, working mostly in the rentals that are supposedly tearing her community apart. (laughs) And just obviously a very good person, as all Welsh people are which is why I married into them and come here on holiday every year. So I felt a bit bad tearing up her bank beats in the car and cackling at the tidy con that I had pulled. Not really. I paid her immediately and was about to round up to 50 quid as a thank you because that seemed like the right thing to do when I realised that it might be a bit condescending. It might embarrass her. I didn't want her to think that I thought she had helped me out with any hope of advantage or that I had made a mistake, but I want something good to happen to her. Can I send her something a bit later as I have her details? 
what about at Christmas? And if 50 quid, then why not 100? Why not 1,000? If she randomly does a favour for a stranger who turns out to be rich, should the story not end with that kind woman getting some big reward that makes her weak or makes her Christmas? Or am I just being smug and narcissistic and vile? Yes. Tell me, yes. Tell me what yes. to do. No, writing this article... Writing this article was when you were being smug and vile and narcissistic. Yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe this woman uh, paid for your groceries because she just wanted you to get out of the shop because your enormous head was knocking all over, knocking over all the displays. <laughs> well, that was an article by the former BBC employee Giles Corden. Yeah. <laughs> get it fucking off, up. Off you. to spend, in his own words, in his own words, off to spend more time with his second daughter. Oh, and we can leave that in because that is what he said in response to this yeah we can yeah um any inference happens in your heads uh yeah uh fuck him uh yeah he's just lost his job with the bbc they let him go um from some fucking hotel front and show like he like stay in the fanciest hotels in the fucking world and they kept him around for so long and then they, they got shot of him and there was a big piece in the Daily Mail that very seriously linked that happening and all of the shit that he said about Don uh, Don Foster after she died. What? Yes. So this is a deeply funny fucking end to that little bit of his career. Yeah, the this best, better be the first the, domino in a long series of them. Is his career fucking the best only. part of that was that like the BBC said they're looking for someone who's the opposite of Giles to replace him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, get it yeah. up. So yeah, I just thought I would end that on on a, a little article where Giles Corrin once again yeah. tells Fuck on you, himself. Giles Corrin, don't foster forever. Exactly, exactly. and so we can say that. Fuck and him. on that note, I think we can uh, we can stop it. We can definitely stop there. Uh, thank you for listening. We will have another bonus episode out this month. You can get that on the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can get merch. We have t-shirts and vests for some reason. Uh, that's praxiscast.tmail.com. Yeah, get, get your hottest summer on record t-shirts now. Yes, yeah, yeah, get yeah. them sleeveless. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, nice sun, buy them with sun's sleeves. Out, guns out. Hide your shame. Yeah. Yeah, you buy that T-shirt, it's hottest, hum- hottest summer on record, and you're good for years. You get to use it every year. Yeah, that's true. Oh wow, I've just um, got that. And, and, and also, it'll be in- also it'll be increasingly appropriate as the as it shows a water-free hellscape with a skeleton on it, which, as I'm sure at the by the end of now, you will you know uh, rejoice in being part of because you're English. Yep. Describing the visual medium again. Could we get some of those t-shirts that like change colour in the heat and just nope. calibrate them for comedy temperatures? That that uh, no. sounds a lot like work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jamie, why don't yeah, you design what do you a shirt? Think, what do you like think that? this is like? Tomorrow's world. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting is practice. Introduces the always online t-shirt. <laughs> Brian Cox, come on the pod. Um. Um. A great actor. Fuck this. This fucking made it. <laughs> We also have streams. Streams are happening when and how often? Thursdays. Uh, Thursdays. We're nearly done 10. with the fucking Vikings, and to celebrate, we might be playing a different Viking game afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> to to, oh, to be confirmed. Um, 
Yeah, can we claim that as can we claim that as a work expense? James, Uh, I mean, depends. Like, you know, we'd have to we'd have to decide as a collective and compare the incomings to the outgoings. And sure, (laughs) your call is important to us. On the subject of things which are nearly done, though, this Friday, 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 the 5th of August, I will hopefully be finishing Elden Ring. Incredible. Hooray. The last person in the world to finish. James can finally get Elden married. (laughs) Yeah, get the uh, world record slowest playthrough. (laughs) Yeah, 80% slow run. Okay, on that note, let's fuck off, and you two should fuck off and enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, but come back Bye. next week for a very special episode. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye.